Hello, you're listening to an episode of Dramas Over Flowers, and this is What's Up in Drama Land with Saya, Anisa, and me, Porama. Here we bring you news about the Korean drama industry and a few other headlines that we think you'd find interesting. We also cover upcoming dramas, analyzing the premise, the cast, crew, and the previous bodies of work, and deciding whether we'll be watching them or not. Of course, by the time this episode goes up, some of these upcomings will already be past their first week. Now, before starting, we want to thank our listeners for sticking with us and our Patreon community members for helping us keep this podcast going. If you want to support our podcast, you can share this episode, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, or you can give us money. Starting from $1 a month, you can buy our undying gratitude and get credited under all of our episodes. It's a steal. Finally, guys, we started this podcast so we could talk about Korean dramas with you. So, talk back to us. Remember, every time you leave us a comment, tweet at us or send us an email, somewhere in the United Kingdom, Saya lets out a very British exclamation like, Blimey! Or, uh, Bye, George! <laughs> I'm sure of it. So, follow us on Twitter at dramasoverflow. And email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Enjoy! Hi everyone, this is Saya. Hi Saya, you sound so serious. <laughs> I was trying to breathe at the same time. <laughs> Hi, this is Anissa. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Parama. <laughs> Look, it's serious tone for serious news. Unfortunately, the news is, yeah, not, it's not good happy news. So, um, sorry to start off with giggles. So the main story that I think we're probably going to talk about is the update to the whole Burning Sun story. Which continued to evolve past our Right, exactly. Episode. Because a lot of time has passed since then, and it seems like new developments are coming out every day. And like, for example, there's been multiple allegations against Jung Jin Young, Choi Jung Hoon, and like that group of guys that was in the chat room of like um, them assaulting multiple women. Simultaneously. Yeah, as a group. A credible uh, witness, uh, uh, I say, guess uh, a survivor came out. She's basically testifying against them for gang rape. Yeah. And uh, and then a second, then a second one yeah, came out. Yeah, there was a second, and that was, I think, multiple women. So anyway, that story is still developing. I, we're not going to go into details. If you want to read it, you can go to the, the news articles. Uh, we'll link them below. Yeah, we'll link them. And then there was an investigative news program on NBC, which is one of the three main broadcasts around April 23rd or like right before April 23rd. And the TK of Ask a Korean, the blog Ask a Korean, he actually translated the revelations from that program and put them on Twitter, which we'll also share. But just like a trigger warning, like this is extremely disturbing. So if you don't want to hear about this, like that's... I totally understand, like, just skip ahead to, and we'll put timestamps for, like, when we stop talking about that. Basically, what he said was that there were these two clubs in Gangnam, and they knew that there was, like, rape happening there, I guess, already. 
and that VIPs could basically pick any woman in the club and the club's managers would drug them and bring them to the men who had like, this is so gross. Um, but this program actually revealed that they used to actively recruit minors who were usually runaways, tell them that they could become celebrities, bankroll their plastic surgery, and then put them through the club's prostitution circuit. And some of them were not even teenagers. The news program also showed they had an off-site location for so-called VVIPs where they would conduct particularly violent kinds of rape and they operated an incineration team whose job was to chemically clean that off-site location which was basically like clean up the drugs and the blood um, and they have found footage of these rapes and I mean just really really horrific and they're saying that the cover-up was a huge operation um, the main clientele included former president Yi Myung-bak's son and signs of chebos and bribes in the form of money and sex were given to the local police and tax authorities. And the Gangnam police had an informal policy of not going into the club. If anyone called the police, they would just show up at the door, listen to the managers and just leave. So they just made a show of showing up, but they didn't actually do anything. And the whole reason that all of this got, this got revealed was that a good Samaritan club goer saw one of those managers so-called dragging an unconscious woman somewhere and called the police. There was also a pastor who apparently used a fake ID to work at the club because he had uh, seen some of these young girls after they had been assaulted and basically right. hurt really badly and suffering from PTSD and just, just pretty horrible stuff. So he went in to investigate. So that was also part of the news program. And basically uh, a few good men, right, and women who went in and found out stuff and revealed it. But this had been going on for so many years, unchecked, and the police knew. that That's what we are getting out of this. Deeper you dig, there's like no bottom. It just gets worse. Yeah, it's really... Yeah. 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 To conduct a cover-up at this scale, you're not looking at one or two institutions that have to cover up. It's like... It's at every level that you can imagine you know from yeah. legal to local constitutional to like you know the police to, to your everyday management team like janitorial politicians team. and corporations like, and, from the bottom to the yeah. top there's this collusion to to keep this quiet and that's just it is and it isn't mind. i mean it's mind-blowing in the sense that people are terrible but also it doesn't surprise me on one level either. Another thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, somebody replied to this thread and she mentioned some research that she had done um, a few years ago about the sex trade in Korea. And just to like briefly sum it up, she said that um, in the 60s and 70s, men preyed on vulnerable women from the countryside and brought them into the sex trade. And she's saying that like, it seems like a continuation of this long history, which she actually feels like from her research it's really started in is and is rooted in like Japanese colonialism and the way that they started uh, trafficking women for like rape and sexual slavery and how you the US occupation kind of continued that and that it's not since then it hasn't really stopped so I will also link to that thread which has more details and you know sources and all of that but it's it's clearly 
not just an isolated case, but sort of an entrenched societal problem that's yeah. really going to take a lot of cleaning up to fix, if it can be fixed. I don't know. This is especially ironic given how sensitive Korea, South Korea is. I was reading an article that, that uh, emphasized this, how um, sensitive South Korea is about about what Japan had done to its women during uh, World War II. You have a, a, a history of massive sexual violence as part of your your cultural history. And it just, how do you normalize this? But yeah, I mean. The thing with the comfort women issue is that even after the Japanese had left the, or, or at any point, the women who had been used in that way were never welcomed back into society yeah they yeah. were not treated as victims <laughs> they were treated as, as as themselves the criminals yeah and the other thing is that in any colonial project it cannot succeed without some of the native population being complicit in that you know like if you look at any time that a that an outside country almost any time there has been always that emphasis that that sort of aspect of like collusion is necessary yeah. collusion on part of some of the people yeah like some corrupt people who actually live in that country who see an opportunity for uh, you know like money or power or some type of status and they're so they're like willing to sell the rest of their country people Agreed. I, I just meant that with a country who has that kind of a tragic history, you would think that its citizens would be more aware of, of assault on women and just, just, just sexual assaults in general. But of course they wouldn't be. It's, it's a very restrictive society. And-, yeah, and I think also like a lot of those people were never even really like even punishing the so-called collaborators after independence became a political project that was tied to nation building. Oh yeah, absolutely. It had absolutely nothing to do with the women. Yeah. And part of that nation building project was like not talking about the comfort women because that was like seen as a way in which Japan had like, so like won or, you know, they didn't want to admit there was like a humiliating past that they didn't want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all, there's a lot of layers to it and it's really, and in these kind of situations, it's always the women who tend to be the victims. This thread is a very excellent thread with the one that we will post down below for you guys to read. Um, she covers a lot of academic research and articles and things like that. So it's well worth the read. Yeah, please do go and read that if you're interested. I feel like we won't be able to do justice to all of that in the time that we have, but um, it's definitely worth, worth reading if you can handle the subject matter, which is very dark. And speaking of people being punished for what they did, so we uh, do we all remember Park Yoo Chan's um, um, accusation a couple of years <laughs> back that he was the main actor in uh, Sung Kyung Kwan scandal, the one that also had uh, Park Min Young, and we loved her there. And now I can't go back and watch the Sung Kyung anymore. Damn it! So he was accused by two women of uh, sexually assaulting them. And uh, he turned around and um, sued them for libel. And he won against one of them and got her imprisoned, but not the other. And now he's been uh, sort of like, thrown out by his agency for a completely different matter altogether. 
um, so he was like the police were investigating and he had been accused of um, taking drugs and he had gone to a press conference and lied and if nothing else Korean society really takes this badly the lying in a press conference the blatant lying and then this is the worst part. He got found out because the test came out positive. I think that's the part that Korean society hates the most. Like you lied and then you got caught. And he's still denying it, even after the positive <laughs> test, by the way. And yeah. he blamed his ex-fiance because his I think his fiance got caught first and then he broke up with her and then she was like, I did it with him and they tested positive. And he's like, no, 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 it was all her. It wasn't me, even though like the evidence is there. And it's not just... Like, it's usually marijuana, but this time it's crystal meth, which I think is way more serious. Because, like, we've seen people's careers get fairly heavily damaged or completely destroyed just for marijuana. Um, But this is, crystal meth is pretty serious. It is, it is. And and usually I would not come down really hard on um, any celebrity for doing drugs. It's a personal choice if you want to do in your life. But... This is the least of the things that he has to be punished for. Yeah. Exactly. Like his agency stood by him through sexual assault allegations. Right. This is the guy whose nickname is Toilet Rapist. So, you know. Uh, yeah. Even when he was in the US for a while, he was known for um, doing these kind of things to women. Like it was kind of an open secret. I've heard um, from some yeah. people in the Korean American community. So it's like he's known to be like that kind of person. Like his crew knew, everyone knew. And they'd like laugh when he took, like he'd take a girl, go to the back, and they'd be like sniggering to themselves because they knew what was like, going to happen. It's just, yeah, it's sick. Yeah. It's like with Hollywood where like everyone knew and nobody was willing to say anything. And it's just like, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, is, that is a thing that happened. So going from one, actually several things about Korean culture to another thing about Korean culture, but in my country. So uh, this actually came out last year. But there is a Kia Motors factory in um, Andhra Pradesh, uh, in this small town called Anantapur. Now, An- Anantapur is the kind of small town where Korean food has absolute no, like no, people don't, like they hear Korean food and they think oh it must be Chinese so it, it's that level of awareness of what Korean food is so it's not like there is a lot of interest in in that like it's a very small town but there is a Kia Motors factory there and because of the employees who go there they uh, established like 15 to 20 restaurants a few hotels and so a few people like not local residents local residents don't go there anyway But a few people who were visiting the town tried to go into these restaurants and they were told point blank that no Indians are allowed in this restaurant. It's for Koreans only. Now, that's a discriminatory practice that is completely illegal in my country. You can't do that. Um, I I remember in Bangalore, there had been this case where a Japanese restaurant had tried to do that, not allow local residents to go in and it had been shut down, which, Mm. you know, as it It should be. It should be, yeah. Yeah, but uh, this this thing in, in Anantapur has actually been going on for a while. Um, it, it's a sort of a, it's a policy that that's known by the locals. They don't really care because they don't really want to go in. But that does not mean that you get to discriminate like that. It's, it's so frustrating to me. It is racism. I mean, come on, man. Of course it is. 
it because we have been through that era like no dogs no indians allowed like the colonial era did that to us you you don't get to come into our country set up a factory employ like the minimal number of indians possible have your own employees come in from another country which is fine i understand my, my country is like inviting capital and and industries to be open but you don't get to discriminate against the locals that is just not done it doesn't matter who does it to which country just Mm. Yeah, I got really mad at that. I still love K dramas. That has nothing. That is nice <laughs> if you're not there, but it just and I, my people are complicit, man. Local authorities know that th- this is going on, but they won't say anything because, of course, they want the factory there. They don't want to rock the boat. So yeah. it's it just stand up for your own people. God damn it! Oh, but then you'd yeah. have to be willing to to potentially lose the benefit as well. Like if you're gonna stand up, you have to be willing to make a loss. To be very honest, like, do 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 you really think they are going to uproot an entire factory over there after uh, pumping in that kind of capital? No, um, I don't think so. A but... few Indians want to go into the restaurants; <laughs> they they wouldn't exactly. But it's just a system that we have gotten used to, where we pander to foreigners, especially in the small towns uh, of my country. Now, this wouldn't happen uh, in the bigger cities. You try doing that in my city; it wouldn't work for you very well. But in the smaller towns, they just don't want to rock the boat because they. they want the capital to come in they want factories being set up so yeah but it's also ingrained racism and we are racist against ourselves we don't think that we we perfectly when understand why they were why they wouldn't want brown folk to go into a restaurant like that so yeah and it's not like so many people want to go there anyway god they don't no, it's the principle of the thing <laughs> right exactly yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so oh i did want to bring up one story This is one that I forgot to include in the in the news but um the constitutional court of South Korea on April in the first week of April I think or the second week of April they actually said that abortion being illegal in Korea is unconstitutional and this was actually in response to like massive protests by women So I just want to say like how regardless of how you feel about abortion like the fact that it was in response to massive protests by women and the fact that we've seen massive protests by women over like the last year and a half and like I just want to really give a shout out to like South Korean women for being Yeah, they have been working hard to get yeah, their rights. So brave and like especially considering that they have to face like much harsher consequences than say like we would for protesting in the streets like a lot of them have to conceal their identities and they don't want people to know that they're doing this because it could hurt their like workplace um, opportunities and yeah things like that but they're like out there putting themselves in the, you know in the public eye for the sake of yeah. women's rights and i just really i really appreciate that Which ultimately is like it's their own rights so you know if you don't stand up for them who will um but a lot of people are not willing to stand up for their own rights because this is true scared. this so is true. i i respect this them is, a lot. yeah absolutely I was reading this really interesting article um from um in Korean Expose I think um which I'll link below it was about a few Syrian uh, refugees who had uh, come and landed on Jeju because you don't need um the visas to go there in response to those handful of refugees who had landed there the people of Korea reacted with vehement just like really really negative comments Yeah. We talked about this before, but there were like anti-refugee protests in Seoul last year. Yeah. And uh, in response to that there was a smaller pro 
refugee protests as well. But the article that was focused on something else. It was basically how after the Japanese invasion, all of that stuff, like how when they were doing the nation building, children in school were taught that Korea is like a single blooded nation. Right. It, the focus was really on pure bloodedness. So we have seen how Koreans react to anyone from a different nation initially. Like if you speak their language, they're more friendly, but they don't like the idea that you can mix with them. Like it's not that you can become one of them. It's it's hard for them to grasp that. Like it's not something some of them are, can and do and argue vehemently for it. Uh, and the the trend of multiculturalism, especially of, you know, marriage is, is taking off now. But people from other countries like Indians going to Korea and living there um, is hard for them to accept, for instance. Or like, especially black people, um, I think. And, and black people. a lot of stories, yeah. I think uh, what's interesting is there was an article, there was a study that came out um, actually pretty recently, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I'll also link that, but it said that um, according to that study, the acceptance of foreigners and of multiculturalism, it's actually dropped a little bit among the older generation, but it's increased significantly among the younger generation. And I think that's probably a response to the increase of like actual people from other countries where like for the older people they are like, whoa, this is getting to be a little too much. Like I was okay with it, but now I'm not so okay. And with young people just being like, oh, this is just the new normal. This is cool. Let's just go with it. You know? Mm, yeah. And it is like, you know, the, that cultural sort of nation building narrative of like um, a nation of one ethnicity. Apparently you had, um, I forget which international organization, I think the Human Rights Watch, um, had Korea, the Korean government stop doing that, like peddling the whole pure-blooded thing. Uh, so they stopped putting that. In yeah, they, they have stopped that, but it, it yeah. still exists in the minds of a lot of the older generation because it's how they, they grew up and how they were educated. Absolutely. Just quickly looking this up, and I think because well, we did this as part of uh, the research for the RIS test episode. Mm -hmm. So the attitude to multiculturalism, especially with regard to multicultural families, it hit a record low in uh, approval rates in the uh, 2012 report, which put the approval rating at 36.2%. Uh, compared to 73.8% uh, in 18 European countries. So it's like, that's a, an extremely low rate of approval for multicultural families. Mixed it's fan. still not, yeah, it's still 30-something percent among the older generation, I think. It hasn't really changed. Yeah. But the weird thing was that the, the article that I was looking at, they were specifically saying that the studies that have been done, like dividing the population by decade, the approval rating for multiculturalism is a lot lower amongst the 20-somethings than it is amongst the 30-somethings, which actually makes sense. 30-somethings would be more mature, they would. And because if you look at the politics of the last uh, five to six years, something like that, then like they would those people in their 20s would have been coming into their voting age in this era of sort of right-wing shift mm, so that exactly. makes sense this is a really cheery episode i can give you the last piece of cheerful news let's do it <laughs> ji cheng got discharged from army yesterday yay, yay! <laughs> that's good now don't turn out to be a rapist that's all oh god oh god don't Sorry, even have said that let's let's not even Look, he's yeah. been in army for two years at least he hasn't had any opportunity in the last couple of years 
No, that should not be our our bar. That yeah, I don't want not our opportunity it. shouldn't be. That's yeah. Jee Chaluk is gonna come back in some good drama, hopefully. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes, please, no more K twos. Just yeah. Just, also, no suspicious partner. Just like something healer style or a good sagak that'll do me too. <laughs> He's probably tired of action stuff though, so a good rom com maybe. Oh yes, please. A rom com with maybe with Pan Min Young. <gasps> oh my God, my heart would burst. A reunion. Yes, everyone would die of happiness. Okay, so <laughs> upcoming. Take it away. Yay, upcoming. Okay, in release order. First on May fourth, we have Voice Three. So um, it stars. It's a weekend show on OCN. Um, Ihana, Ijenuk. Um, season three of the crime thriller. I think this is the same cast as uh, the second season. Yeah, it and is. So surprising. Be, yeah, 16 episodes. Um, and it's the same writer as Voices 1 and 2, but a new director. So that's just a fact about it. Um, I don't think any of us are going to watch it, right? Nope. Probably not. And then the next uh, one to air is The Secret Life of My Secretary on May 6th. Um, it's a Monday, Tuesday SBS drama with Kim Young Kwang and Jin Kiju. And the, the premise is the cold-hearted boss of a mobile media company falls for his hot-blooded secretary. <laughs> <laughs> the literal title is Love at First Sight or Love You at First Sight. So, like, Yeah, I don't know what this drama is going to be. Like, it sounds... Anyway... Watch at your own yeah. risk, I guess. I do like the casting, but I don't know about this. Uh. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really interested in how they're going to be. Uh, I mean, there's a hot blooded secretary here. That's interesting. If it's all about her pursuing him, I would die. <laughs> I would love that. Let but that be. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 see. We'll report back. Oh, I'm sorry, I mixed up the dates. Also on May 4th is Different Dreams, um, which is one of those new Saturday two hours back-to-back uh dramas. And it's going to be a period drama. So it's starring Yujite, Iyuan, Im Juhan, and Namguri, and it's set in Kansai. Well, the country is under Japanese colonial rule and also Shanghai, China, which if you're aware of the history of that period, they had um, a provisional government for Korea in Shanghai, the independence movement did. So it's set in a very interesting part of history. The premise is Eungjin is Korean, but she was raised by Japanese people. She is now a surgeon, but she becomes an intelligence agent for the provisional government of Korea. She gets involved with turmoil during the Pacific War. So I guess it's going to start before, right before, because the provisional government was set up in like 1919. So I guess it'll be like sometime after that and then during the war as well. It's pre-produced, but... The writer worked on Iris 1 and 2 and Poseidon, which were pretty bad from what I recall in terms of writing. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about the writer. but You can learn your craft. I'm, it's been a long time yeah, since this drama. That's true. And maybe, maybe he or she was one of the junior writers. Who knows? But the yeah. premise does sound interesting. Iris was pretty popular, though. So it was you know, some popular. people liked it. That's true. Yeah, that's true. 
but you know what the the problem that i have with sagyuk said in in these times is i know the times were miserable i realize that i realize that it, it was just horrible but it's not like people can consistently live in a state of misery in no matter what part of the world you are no matter how oppressed you are you are going to find daily happiness it's that's how you survive and i'm just can they occasionally just have like not a light hearted one but just like a generally not miserable drama set in this period i would actually want to watch more drama set in this period if it wasn't miserable the reason you choose that period is to examine a particular miserable aspect of it i imagine but i've also read how korea is like very focused on making sure that you can you can only see this this era from one lens there is no way of investigating oh, yes. it from any other perspective what's it's a whatsoever. highly political version of history like it's a highly i mean it's highly like it's you wrote a paper on it that's where i read it <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah I mean there's no there's no escaping the the nation building implications of of the looking back at this history at this particular moment through media and they're doing a lot of it like there's been a lot of movies there's been a lot of TV shows in the last like 5 or 6 years yeah yeah so when they have when they have something that is not miserable I'll know that they're changing the lens a bit and I would want to watch it yeah i mean i don't know that 50 or 70 years after colonialism whether you would even be able to Look in my country we are still like British can only ever be evil and right. maniacal okay you you right. can't portray them in any subtle so, like I think the last time we had a, a British a proper British actor acting in a part with nuance was Lagan and that was in the early 2000s which was an amazing movie I love but Lagan it's just right I love so it too good. but my point is there's been nothing since then Come yeah. on. Yeah, it's it's hard to do. Uh, yeah. But yeah, um and then May 6th is Abyss, which will be <gasps> on TVN Monday, Tuesday, Park Boyang, and Yusup, also known as Chen. <laughs> <laughs> um fantasy murder mystery where the two murder victims, a beautiful prosecutor and a wealthy heir, come back from the dead in very different bodies to solve their own murders. It's also 16 episodes. Um, I don't know how I feel about the premise. It just Are we watching this for any reason other than the leak? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're so adorable. I I want to see yeah. them together. I hope it's not another um strong woman Dobong Soon where like the cast is I don't I don't think it would be the the trailers don't give off that kind of vibe. Like she's not like cutesy to the point of like giving you a heart attack. <laughs> I mean but her cuteness was not my problem with with Dobong Soon. that my head other no her sexism was but i'm just like they're clearly do- taking a different track now let's just see how the execution yeah, is i, I mean, guess we live in hope i'm definitely going to watch the hope. beginning yeah and i'm here so yeah. <laughs> i miss him um the next one is rescue me too also known as save me too that's going to be premiering on may 8th it stars um tegu Chen Ho-jin, Isam and Kim Young-min uh and Jo Jae-yoon um and season 2 deals with another creepy cult in a small Korean village. I didn't watch the first one, so I don't know if this is like the cast from the first one. It's not. Okay. 
Um, but it's also not the same director and writer. I think it's a totally different story, but you said it's still based on the same webtoon, right? It's based on the same webtoon, but the writer and director have changed. So I'm guessing they're just... Like reinterpreting it in a slightly different way. Maybe. Although I haven't read the webtoon. Has anybody read the webtoon? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I would even ask, would I ever? I'm still four episodes into the first one, so you know. So yeah, it's if you guys good. are, uh, if you check out the creep, well, you can let us know what you think. <laughs> the next one is My Absolute Boyfriend, which is airing its first episode on May 15th. It's an SBS drama, and it stars Yojingu, Bangmina, and Hong Jungyeon, which is a really cute cast, but um, I don't know. I watched the Japanese version of this. So this is based on a manga, um, which was made into a Japanese live action drama and also a Taiwanese one. I read the manga and the Japanese drama and the special that they released afterwards. <laughs> Don't ask me why. It was bad, but I was at the height of my J-drama like addiction at that time. Basically, the premise is a girl gets a sex robot in the mail by accident, and she doesn't <laughs> want to have a sex robot, so it just becomes her, like, servant and friend and her protector. And then, like, he sort of, I don't know if they ever truly clarified, but, like, maybe he falls in love with her. I don't know. She kind of has feelings for him, but he's a robot, so they can never be together. It's very Oh, weird. this is so J-drama. Yeah, it's very <laughs> J-drama. It. Exactly. It's like a, it's I'm gonna watch the original right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was pretty characteristic because it was just so weird, and, like, the cast was very, very charming. Yeah, this reminds me of Kimi, Kimi Wapet. Kimi Wapet, Wa yeah. That was also... Yeah. Only could be a Japanese drama, and the Korean yeah. adaptation was just. Weird. Oh my god, no! Oh my god, so no! I st I'm still trying to erase that from my memory. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I don't think I will watch this because I I don't need to have this journey again. They did a, a modern rendition of Kimi wa Petto, uh, Japanese, and I don't like. I didn't like the current because they just softened all the hard edges of the original one. The original the drama was really good. It was. Really it worked because it yeah. was so sort of like raw, and I can't even explain it. It just they made it more Korean drama-ish, like the modern one. Yeah, it was like kind of weird and kind of dark and kind of, you know, like it didn't yeah, shy the, away. You from could clearly the see that there were psychological treatment. aspects to right. that stuff. Like these right. people needed therapy. Yeah, <laughs> Whereas exactly. in the modern one, it's more of a rom-com, and I don't like it. I don't like that's not that's not the story. No, and as a rom-com, that's like a really messed up relationship to exactly. promoting in a rom-com. Like, that's not a rom-com type of relationship. And if you're listening yeah. about this absolute boyfriend, like... I don't see how this can end well. Yeah, I think they're going to make it... I don't even know what they're going to do. They're probably going to make the second lead into the lead, which, like, in the in the manga was just, like, her neighbor who went to school with her. And also, she's, like, 16 in the manga. And in the Japanese drama, they do make her into an adult because, like, morals but um <laughs> in this she's also like an office worker but the second lead is not her neighbor he's like a top star top star <laughs> so i'm guessing that that's gonna be the love line is with the top star which so is that gonna be hung jung hyun i guess yeah i guess i don't know but then why would you cast yojingu as the robot if you're not going to give him the... i actually don't know who the robot is and who the top star is but um oh that'd be yojingu <laughs> I feel like 
I feel like making I feel like making her fall in love with a top star event ultimately kind of undercuts the central conflict of the drama, which was that like can a human and a robot have a happy ending? Which like if you have this extremely attractive top star waiting in the wings, who's like she's clearly going to end up with, and like it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the story. But anyway, yeah, they should have just stopped. I'm not a robot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And also, the only top star that my heart has room for is top star. You Ubik. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> anyway, um, next one is Angel's Last Mission, uh, Love. Yes, that is the title. But the literal title is Just One Love. I don't know why they made it such a terrible title. That's Arion Mason. <laughs> um, it's got Shin Hye-sun, L, and Lee Dong-gun. Um, so L is a carefree angel who always gets into trouble. In order to return to heaven, he is tasked with a mission to find true love for a cold and single-minded ballerina, Shinhei-san, but ends up falling for her himself. Actually sounds kind of fun. It sounds cute. <laughs> yeah. 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 Plus, apparently L has gotten much, uh, uh, the last drama L did was, I think, Miss Hammurabi, and apparently he was really good in that. I haven't watched it, but, um, oh, I haven't seen him since his, like, robot days in the Shut Up Flower Boy band, so I'll be glad to see <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I watched that terrible rain drama as well, you know, um, She's So Lovable. Oh, um, yeah. A terrible rain drama. Oh, yeah, I watched that. I had, like, <laughs> and I also watched uh, my brain. <laughs> Ruler, Master of the Mask, which he was in as well with Yusinger. So, um, he he starts off pretty well in in Ruler, but then, like, his acting degenerates to sort of just shouting to show emotion uh. and, you know, but he did start off well. Okay, maybe he's gotten better then. And and apparently in Miss Hammurabi, he is very good. Or maybe okay. it's, you know, a, a convergence of a good writer and a good director and, you know, that worked, like, mm. best with his skills. So. Well, it's a really good director. It's the director of Seven Day Queen, um, who, and he's also the co-director of Healer, which Healer, I didn't love the directing, but there were some good moments. I think it was well-directed except for the action, which was kind of bad, but... There's probably not going to be any action in this. The next one is Spring Night, <laughs> May 22nd. Um, <laughs> we've talked about this already. It's for Han Jimin and Jung Han. And it's a romance mellow from the team behind Pretty Nuna who buys me food. Uh, nope. Odd purse. Yeah. <laughs> Parma, do you have any thoughts? Hold on. Give me a second. You just need to say no very loudly. <laughs> no, no, I, I do have thoughts. My thoughts are that uh, this team has lost our trust. And unless they do something amazing and we hear like really good stuff from like the community, um, I'm not even going to risk it, no. Yep. After the second half, you have to wait until it finishes its run. <laughs> exactly. I'm not trusting the first half. <laughs> yeah. You know, I saw... Um, I was watching a variety show the other day, and it was like one of those where they haven't edited out the ads. And I saw a CF with um, Jung Hae-in selling something. I don't remember what. And I was just like, I hate you. No, I was like, I hate you. I was like, oh my God, that smile got me into so much heartache. I don't trust it. It's evil. <laughs> okay. Um, the Wind Blows is going to air on May 27th on JTBC. It stars Kamu Sung, Kim Hanul, basically the two of them. It's a romance mellow about a man who divorces his wife to protect her after he's diagnosed with Alzheimer's. 
they meet again years later only to fall in love all over again wow that's like the peak of noble idiocy <laughs> that's like unforgivable practically like, yeah wait hold on he is as i was so he divorces his wife and then years later forgets all about her and falls in love with her again yeah oh no the, yeah, it's not, not a promising writer. Not a promising yeah, writer. The writer of Lie to Me and Mrs. Cop 1 and 2, like, that is some rough writing right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also weird that this and my absolute boyfriend, both of them have only one director and it's the same person. And neither wasn't, of them has been listed as being pre-produced. I feel, wasn't uh, absolute boyfriend pre-produced? Maybe it was. I didn't see that it was produced when I was looking it up but maybe it is but then that would make sense because this has been in production for like so long that's true the um absolute boyfriend has been a lot in a in production so it could time. be that that has been pre-produced that's possible yeah wait hold on this is this has Kim Hanyul right like Kim Hanyul like the one who was in army the last couple no, of no, years no, no Kim Hanyul is, uh, is, a, is a, an actress she was in Gentleman's Dignity main actress in Gentleman's Dignity um she's like she slightly older actually, she was actually in the Kimi Wa Peto, like, Korean version movie. Oh, that <laughs> one! Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched her in a film with Yu Sungo, I think, actually, Blind. I think my favorite uh, project of hers is still um, Seventh Level Civil Servant, the movie, with, uh, what's his name? The guy from Lie to Me. But that was a really good rom-com movie. I loved that one. The TV show was terrible, but... Um, yeah, I can't remember his name right now. What Something. Wait, I've got it, but it's not coming to me. Yeah, me neither. I, and I love him. He's a really good actor, but they were they were great in that. But anyway, this sounds like a terrible drama. It's I wrote in the notes that it sounds like a terrible cross between like Lee Sang Min's memory from a couple of years ago and Kang Ji Hwan. That was Kang Ji Hwan. That's right. Him. <laughs> Um, it sounds like a terrible cross between memory from a couple of years ago, where like Isang Min is like basically losing his memory. Um, was memory not good? I think it was good, but I heard that his character was just an a hole, and then he like started losing his memory. So you're like feeling sorry for him, but he's still the terrible person, and then it's just like miserable the whole way through. Because the writer of memory is the same writer as Beautiful World, so. I th- okay, I, I mean, I mean, I think, I think it was well written. It just wasn't like. An enjoyable experience, and then okay. there was the one that Kamusang did with uh, Kim Sona, which was like, this reminds me of that in like bad ways. So, because <laughs> that also has, okay, I'll just spoil it. He's dying, and he's lying to her about it as they fall in love. So, like, I, I was that 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 drama made me really mad. Oh, shall oh, we God. kiss first? That one. Oh, so, you liked it in the beginning. It was really cute. And then oh, yeah, a lot that of one. <laughs> revelations happened that I was just like, whoa, no way. Um, and the last one, which is airing on the very last day of May, is called Aid. It's going to be on JTBC. It stars Lee Jung-jae, Shin Mina, Lee Elijah, Kim Dong-jun. Um, and it's basically a political drama about some like behind-the-scenes like machinations and I my only reason for including this because I don't think it sounds like a drama that we would necessarily watch I don't know maybe I'm wrong um is that it's Lee Jung Jae's first appearance in TV um in 10 years and he's like a really big movie star now so this is serious casting yeah and Shin Mina obviously 
It's only ten great. episodes. It's not even that long. So it's like one of those. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you like political dramas, it's probably going to be good. It's short enough to like have you know a tightly plotted story. So yeah, that's the upcoming shows in May. Although the director is not promising. <laughs> oh really? Who's the director? K two. Uh, but also oh. Hammurabi, uh, Miss Hammurabi. Hey, Miss Hammurabi wasn't all that bad. Mm. Yeah, I haven't watched that, but like I heard that it was good. But K2, awful directing. Neighborhood Hero, which was that Pakshiho drama, I think. Basketball, oh my god, basketball was the worst. But wasn't <laughs> the problem with basketball, the writing? Um, everything was the problem with basketball. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a drama that should not have existed in any form after two episodes. One episode. Or... At okay. all. Okay. All right. Well, that's all we got for this episode, right? For what's up in Drama Land? I think so. Oh, we forgot to. We should have done this in the yak. Uh, I was gonna say, like, you know, a lot of our listeners are probably um, observing Ramadan um, next week. Next week, right? Yes. Uh, just yeah. Week. About a week from now. So, like, Ramadan Kareem to everyone who is. Um, yes. And also, like. I don't know, like, if you do this, Anissa, but, like, um, in the past, I'm not very good at this now, but, like, I used to not watch TV and stuff in Ramadan because, you know, you want to disconnect. You want to be a bit spiritual and stuff. And then the drama that broke me was I Hear Your Voice in 2013. <laughs> it was, like, the first Ramadan oh in years that I actually watched a show in Ramadan. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I never managed to recover after that. But, yeah, at least try not to start new shows. So anyone else who's giving up Dramas for Ramadan. Hasusa, you can do it, fighting. Yes, solidarity. <laughs> the dramas will be, still be there afterwards. Yeah. I used worry. to be completely TV free in Ramadan, um, but like once I got sick and like I wasn't able to fast, um, it kind of messed with a lot of my disciplinary things that I used to do. <laughs> so I haven't really been good with that in recent years, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to fast this year, so pray for me. I admire you guys, but I do not understand you. <laughs> She's like, how can you give up dramas? What's wrong we'll with you? We'll report back on our varying levels of success and our failure next month. <laughs> but yeah, Ramadan Mubarak to everyone who's celebrating Ramadan. <laughs>